It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Insight Sources. I'm Scott Simpson. I'm here with Kate Clute. We're filling in for Boyd Matheson, who's out for the day, and and we're kind of we're the hooligans. That, it takes uh, two of us to do Boyd's job. That's exactly right. They they is. let us come upstairs every now and again uh, from the from the dungeon here that <laughs> where where KSL at night is produced, and we, we get to kind of sit at the big kids table every now and again. Kate, we have this story that uh, on its face uh, gets me a little agitated. But, you know, if you dig a little deeper, there are a lot of important reasons for this. But we have foreign-born uh, U.S. veterans that are returning to the U.S. after having been deported. And to me, just hearing that we're deporting U.S. veterans, people who have put on the uniform, gone out and put their life on the line to defend this country, to, to swear allegiance to a flag and a constitution, and then having been deported – makes me cringe just a little bit. Now, many of them have, you know, it's for criminal offense, you know, drug-related offenses. They end up um, kind of getting kicked out of the country. And, uh, the, but the current administration has started to bring some of them back under at least a temporary basis. And uh, we just kind of want to talk through that and the, the nuances of that argument. So we, luckily, Scott, have a guest with us that knows a lot more than we do. And so we're going to welcome Suzanne Moniak, a reporter covering immigration in Congress for Roll Call. Welcome, Suzanne. Thanks so much for having me on. Suzanne, tell us about this story. I, I, you know, I, it feels like, you know, I'm all about, you know, playing by the rules, but it feels like if somebody's going to put on our flag and defend my, my life, my existence here, they ought to get to the front of, front of the line if they're trying to establish themselves as a citizen here. Can you d- describe who we're talking about? So you definitely wouldn't be the only person who feels that way. And I think that's, you know, sort of where a lot of support for this Biden administration has come from. This population are people, generally, a lot of them were green card holders at the time that they served in the military. But then after, you know, leaving their service, were convicted of a crime, as you mentioned, for a lot of them, it's drug related, uh, Veterans tend to suffer from addiction at higher rates due to PTSD, but because if they're not a U.S. citizen, some of times drug offenses can trigger deportation, and then those people end up being deported, sent back to countries that they may not have lived in since they were children, um, and have very limited avenues to return. And this initiative is sort of aiming to resolve that, at least, as you mentioned, on a temporary basis. And you make a good point about veterans and addiction and, and the fact that what our knee-jerk reaction is in some instances to deport them and then they are without their families in a lot of cases. And that is integral to someone overcoming addiction and, and getting better, particularly with things for P, like PTSD. And they're, not, and they're without the medical services yeah. that t- typical veterans would, would it's get. It's true. Um, so, Suzanne, my question is, do they have to meet certain requirements before they return to the U.S.? I know there's an application process, but could you describe to us what they need to do? 
I have to say a lot of people um, who've been through this application process told me that they didn't feel the requirements were all that clear. Uh, so that is actually a criticism that some have of this initiative, but they would like to see eligibility criteria um, be a little bit more clear for people wanting to apply. But yes, there is an online portal where people can you know, submit a request to return to the U.S. under a status called humanitarian parole, which is a temporary immigration status under you know, certain humanitarian grounds like this one. And, but, you know, as for, you know, criteria, it, it is veterans as well as the veterans immediate family members who were deported. It seems like for some of these people, it's, you know, more nonviolent offenses or for, in some cases, offenses that wouldn't even trigger deportation today. Some of these people were deported, you know, years ago. For others, uh, they can be brought back if they have an urgent medical need. As you mentioned, uh, even though veterans are eligible for Veterans Affairs benefits for life, they're just not accessible outside of the country. So as some of these older veterans, like Vietnam veterans, for example, as they're aging, they need that medical care. Uh, and this initiative can allow them to come back to the U.S. and have access to the benefits to which they are entitled. So, Susanna, it sounds like the current administration is using a very temporary solution here. Uh, give us a sense of the sort of partisan nature of this issue. You've got the Biden administration. Um, obviously, you know, they've, they've got a different immigration position generally than the Republicans in Congress might. Uh, how does this issue break down on party lines? Well, yes, as you mentioned, this is a temporary fix. Um, humanitarian parole is an authority that the executive branch has, so they don't need Congress to agree. This is something that they have the authority to do. It's the same legal basis, for example, that you know provides the grounds for DACA. So this is something that the executive branch is able to do in order to enact immigration policies that they you know are, are not going to be able to get through Congress. Because yes, as you mentioned, uh, this is. Immigration is always a politically divisive issue. Uh, there is a bill in Congress that would seek to help some of these deported veterans or people who are ordered removed to maintain their permanent residency or to have it reinstated, but uh, it has not garnered any Republican support. Republicans typically point to these things and they say that the border is out of control and that Congress should not be passing any immigration bills until they feel the border is secure. Uh, veterans in this community, though, say that this bill is not an immigration bill. It's a veterans bill. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, two ways to look at this. How what was the Trump's Trump administration's approach to this issue? And I mean, even the Obama administration, I'm curious to know how long these deportations have been happening and what prompted the Biden administration to take a closer look at this. These deportations are actually not, you know, something that's been specific to any one administration. Uh, veterans have been able to be deported for years. This is just part of our immigration law. If you commit certain criminal offenses that, you know, are categorized in certain ways under the immigration law, that can trigger deportation. And it is, you know, up to some discretion of the, you know, trial attorneys to decide whether or not they want to pursue that. Um, but ultimately, this isn't as much of a political issue when it comes down to the immigration court proceedings. This is something that has always been going on um, and it, it isn't new. So really what's new is this Biden administration initiative to kind of take a look at this. But frankly, you know, it's, it's some of those people I spoke to for this story were deported 15 years ago. Suzanne Moniak, reporter for uh, Roll Call, covering Congress and immigration issues. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you again for having me. Kate, yeah, I'm struggling with this. Uh, it, th this is uh, an interesting line in the immigration sand. Again, uh, you know, somebody carries a rifle and takes takes on the uniform. I, th I think they uh, deserve some special care. Yeah, I would agree that this is a veterans bill, not necessarily an immigration bill.
Yeah, but it's it's so interesting. Even veterans, the the, the veterans um, funding is is just always such a complex battle back True. in Washington. We got to find our way to get through this. Well, coming up, we're going to talk about grocery bills. Lots of people struggling. You're not alone. We're going to talk about how some Americans are coming up with unique and somewhat risky ways to pay their bills after the break. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.